Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is the owner and winemaker of All Bear Wines, Alex Bear. Alex has a degree in analogy, which is a tough word for me to say for some reason. I have to slow down. Yeah. And a minor in agricultural business from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Upon graduation, Alex did an internship with famed Australian producer Elderton Winery. And next was an internship with uh, Guillaume Fabre of Clos Saline. Alex has had stints at Petrus Realm and Synquanon, and we're actually going to find out some other places he's, he's interned and worked. And in 2019, Alex released his first wines under his All Bear label. Welcome, Alex. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Uh, tell everybody what we're drinking today, man. Yeah, so uh, we did our 2020 release in October, uh, and this was the first time that we were doing um, uh, Syrah. And as kind of our portfolio, before we've done uh, Sangiovese and um, Grenache. So uh, this is our first crack at Syrah. So 2020, Chargement. Uh, Chargement. Chargement. Why are, that's not going to be hard for me to say, Chargement. What, <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, it means loading. Okay. Yeah, so uh, the wines of a year are named after kind of the vintage or what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Going into the tail end of 2019 into 2020, I was dealing with a health issue okay. um, that kind of threatened my ability to be able to make and produce wine going into the future. Oh, man. So it was the first time in my career that I had to like uh, spend a couple months laying, staring at the ceiling, uh, and really reflecting over the last few years of what I've endured, um, because I think going and working for the places that I did, um, my body took the biggest toll out of that whole thing and then uh happenstantially you know 2020 you know a few COVID months later yeah mm -hmm. february yeah so like i had already you know a three-month advantage on what the world was about to endure mm. um so i found that it was just appropriate for everybody just to take a step back reflect think uh and kind of charge and load for the future and that's how we came up with uh and it's Syrah, and you got the uh, Central Coast secret weapon in there, a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Graciano. So we threw some Graciano in it. Um, the acidity in Graciano is spectacular, and it allows me to not have to acidulate and play with the Syrah too much. Mm -hmm. um, so 53% of this is from Slide Hill, okay. which is just adjacent to uh, Alban. Okay. Oh, um, nice. And it's about 46% new. 23% uh, once used in a neutral. Mm -hmm. uh, half of that lot was fermented in a once used punch in. Um, and every barrel is a different clone or partial. Oh, wow. So it's four barrels, you know, yep. making it really easy on the farmers. Yeah, man. Yeah, they love you. <laughs> so cheers, dude. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Okay, so man, I like to start at the beginning. So uh, where are you from? 
So, born in L.A., Northridge area. Okay. Um, and uh, my dad, my dad's name is Tom, and he grew up two doors down from another guy named Tom. And they were born in the same day on the, on the same, in the same hospital. So, Tom and Tom, Tom Flint Sr. and my dad um, grew up next to each other. Uh, my dad was kind of like a uh, developer. Uh, uh, real estate? Or... Yeah, like so he like built like track homes, but he okay. built like 100 or 200 at a time. Yeah, um, that's a developer. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. he was developing houses, and uh, Tom Flynn, his family had been running the cemetery for the longest period of time, and uh, he had to pack up his stuff and go and help his family out. Um and so we started coming back and forth. Uh, it was kind of like this was our vacation place in the early 90s. The Central Coast? Uh, Paso. Paso. Paso specifically, yeah. <clears throat> wow, Paso, early 90s as a early vacation 90s. place. Mm, yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> no. Shopping at Craigers, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so we'd been making the trip quite frequently. And uh, eventually my parents were like, over the traffic. Um, we... We uh, had the 90, was the 95 earthquake in Northridge? Yeah, I was going to ask you, were for the big, big earthquake? Yeah, so the big earthquake was kind of like the last final straw for my parents. Mm -hmm. And they were like, this isn't the place to raise our family. Uh, and so they sold all their, they sold their business um, and moved up here. My dad does uh, uh, custom finished wood craftsmanship uh, now and still is like a contractor and my mom... She uh, does my books and is a real estate broker and uh, CPA as well. So, still into it. Okay. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have one older brother. Okay. What's he do? Uh, he is a uh, psych tech at the Tuscadero State Hospital. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. How'd you guys get along? Was it, was it cool or was it typical older brother, little brother mm, shit? We're still like this a little bit. <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we come back and forth. We have our, we have our moments for sure, but, um, yeah, I love him. So, you know, can't do anything about that. Yeah. Yeah. So you moved, how old were you, they finally made him move? How old was, how old were you? I think I was five. It was before preschool. Oh, so you, so you grew up. Here. Yeah. Yeah. So you were born yeah. there, but you grew up here. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Paso Robles, right? You went to yeah, Temple, Temple yeah, High School? No, no. I went to, all the cool kids went to Templeton. Okay. Uh, um, no, we went to a Paso High and Flamson and. Okay. Yeah. So I've kind of always been in the area a little mm -hmm. bit to some degree. Um, even with Cal Poly, uh, was kind of like an easy choice because my mom was also, my mom, as we moved up here, went back to school okay. and got her, uh, Bookkeeping degree or something. Accounting. Like accounting. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 Um. And so that's. Well, it's pretty much easy for me to follow in her footsteps to some degree. Um, what was it like growing up here for you? <laughs> it was pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, of course, it's a little small country town, yeah. and yeah. um, even then, like, uh, we have the fair. Um. So you know, like, I mean, I saw Blink One Eighty Two when I was a kid, and like, um. You know, we have, it's, it feels small, but the community is tight. Uh-huh. Um, and so, I don't know, it's just great to be a part of the community here. Nice, nice. Um, so growing up, was wine a part of your family? Did your parents drink wine at the dinner table? Uh, 
I wouldn't, I mean, yeah, of course my parents drank wine, but I think not to any extent of the places that I've worked or collected, Mm -hmm. um, more of like just a a social occasion, um, with no emphasis on focusing on the quality of wine or where the wine is. So they just like, I mean, but it wasn't like a thing like they paired food wine, like they would have some wine with dinner or whatever, just grab something local, some... some... Nah, yeah, they just take whatever. I mean... I, my, I remember my parents telling me that they remember uh, Lenny Colado being at the local liquor store down the street for nine ninety nine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like back in the day, uh, wine was a little bit more accessible because we didn't have the clout that we do now. Right. Um, Some people might know. Tell people why Lenny Colado being ten bucks at a gas station. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Because people, because people, there's people who listen around the world, around the country. Who, don't know that much about Paso, but I, yeah, so that's kind of insane. Yeah, it's now $100 bottles of wine. Uh, and it was just, it was started by Justin Smith, who's Saxon, and who was yeah. your partner? Uh, Matt Trevison. Matt Trevison, Trevi, right, right, yeah. yeah. Um, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, and uh, it's crazy to think, like, where that was at that time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and where it is now. And what, you know, 25 years of solid work and dedication can lead to. You know, I, it's funny... I, I had uh, I interviewed I'm in Paso Robles if you guys didn't figure it out because I'm in Templeton yeah proper right now um, and uh, I had in Mark Adams and Chris Cherry you know what I, I've always found about this area well this is the area that I've probably spent the most time in um, since coming back into wine uh, it's really embraced me so thanks everybody but oh, yeah. everybody here is like it's like it's hard work. I'm playing a long game. Like, like that's uh, all I hear here. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, it, with the influence that we've started to create a little bit of a buzz, uh, I think the world is starting to catch on to a new degree of what's coming out of Paso and the diversif- diversification of what we're producing. Um, we have everything from kind of nattier, lighter, lighter style wines that are a little bit trendier. Um, I'm trendy. I mean... No, it's uh, not. It's, I, then, I, I, I'll say it. Trendy, kind of weird. We, I, I had this discussion with Mark yesterday. Like, it's, a, it's not a place where it, that type of wine. You, it is. It's not what this climate is really built to make. But, no, you know. no. But I mean, everybody has an opportunity. But, but, and, but, but, but yeah. you know, people go, oh, well, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, hey, it's Paso. It's it's more accessible than. Napa, Sonoma, totally. or even Santa Barbara. Yeah. So, um, and I want to make natty light wine, so I'm going to totally. pick my shit green. And anyway, those people don't listen to this podcast, anyways. <laughs> I hope. I mean, whatever, dude. If if you're making a buck and you're getting after and pursuing your dream, I got. I'm not I love that to shade you. you. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm, not I'm, shade I'm, you. I'm not shading you. I'm shading uh, and wine. I'm and also conversely, like I love what Dow and like the big dog Jerry Lord. You know, yeah, like. Man. I, I respect those people just as I respect you, you, and love the the Stefans and the yeah, Justins and yeah. and those guys are just as influential for me because uh, uh, without them and spreading the voice of Paso Robles, man, I'm I wouldn't be here either. Yeah. So so um, you went to school down the road, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, yeah, uh, and studied enology and business and agriculture. What made you do that? Like, so what was the, where was, where was the shift that something had to happen? Cause you just, you like said, you wasn't into wine. So like what? Totally. Totally. So my dad as a contractor, we were building, uh, we do like custom homes. We do a custom home a year or something like that. Okay. Um, and so we were building a loft, a two bedroom loft at, at, um, at a, on a vineyard. Uh, 
And in the contract, my dad wrote up, you know, can I get a ton off of the estate? Uh, and then we'll make the wine and then, you know, just do a home winemaking thing. And so that was uh, sophomore year of high school. Okay. And did, who made that wine? Your dad? My dad, yeah. So, okay. so. What was it? What was the grapes? It was Petit Sirah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, um, it just had a blast. You know, like I remember like I should have probably been studying for a, a test one night and instead I was like shoveling grapes into a distemmer, you know, having no clue what I was really doing. Um, and, um, you know, had the finished product of making some wine and my dad was just doing it for fun. Uh, and he turned it into a business for a little, for a short while. What was that? Like, was, was that? Wasn't it was it? called Solana. S-O-L-A-N-A. And that's the name of the vineyard. Okay. Um, and so fast forward a few short years and we've been doing it and, um, so he kept, he kept doing it, he kept getting grapes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, we finished the house, and, but he was, like, still, like, hey, yeah. let me get some of them grapes. <laughs> uh, uh, and so we've been doing it for a few years and uh, starting to catch a bug a little bit. And, um, and uh, their business was taking off to some degree. And then um, I had done, like, a stint as, like, an internship for a, a CNA program. And I was like, dude... This isn't it for me. Like I realized at that point, because I'd spent my whole life either working with my hands or being outside, um, that you know the medical field just wasn't it. So um, that's they acquired a portion of that property, and now we're we're partners in that property of Solana. Okay. uh, And that's where we make our and produce our Sangio from. Okay. And uh, and so that's when I made the final decision that after the second year of college that I was gonna transfer and do wine instead right and so um you graduated what year did you graduate 14 14 okay that's painful to say yeah yeah no i graduated in 1992 and i was on a six-year plan you're fine (laughs) you're fine sport (laughs) Um, oh man so and then you uh, you went right you went right to Australia after graduation was that was that the type of yeah thing? so the way Australia worked uh, I want I was focusing on the Barossa because that's where the, some of the oldest vines of Shiraz are okay um, and I knew that that would complement that experience would complement what we have going on here really well yeah um, but uh, man I probably emailed you know fifty people and never got a response back and um, I did a stint at Justin for an internship for Cal Poly. Okay. And I met two people who are now I consider my French family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after their stint at Justin, they went down to Australia and worked at Elderton. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't until two weeks before I was gonna go, when they were gonna start harvest, did they tell me, hey, you know, we have a last minute cancellation, you wanna come? Uh, and so I got my visa immediately. And, uh, that's how that whole thing came around. So you said it was some of the oldest vines, but tell people who may not know, be familiar with Australian wines about, uh, Ellington and, 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 and Shiraz in Australia. Yeah. And like, yeah. So I think that those wines are a bit juicier. Yeah. Um, so in, uh, France was hit with phylloxera. Mm-hmm. So a lot of their oldest stuff, uh, was either compromised or torn up. Um, but a lot of those cuttings from France went to Australia. Uh, and they didn't have that phylloxera outbreak. So some of the, 
I think some of the stuff uh, goes back to the mid to late 1860s. Yeah, they got the oldest. They also yeah. have old. So they have old vine grenache. They have old vine shiraz, and they have. I think the old oldest Moved is down in Austria as well. Yeah, they got some old stuff, and, yeah, I, and I think it's it's, uh, it's remarkable. You know, so um, at the time, I think that the Shiraz for the command, uh, which is Elderton's highest level wine, uh, is about 120. It's probably like 123, 124 years old now. Um, but yeah, just to work with some old vine stuff, I think is, uh, pretty integral to learning and understanding how generational wine really is. Oh man, that's, uh, there seems to be a very <clears throat> thoughtful approach, even at a young age <clears throat> to what you were doing. Like, like, um, like you had a vision. Yeah, but it's also so happenstantial. Okay. Uh, I mean, like I knew what I wanted to do always, mm -hmm. um, but then how I was going to do it always is, it's being dynamic and always understanding, hey, it's like this day by day kind of mentality. Yeah. If you just take it day by day, uh, but you have this bigger picture of goals and things that you'd like to achieve in life. Um, I think that that's probably the best, the biggest catalyst I could use. So Australia, they're reversing us. So how long, what, what months were you down there? What, how long were you down there? Because <sighs> I mean, I mean, the graduation's like May, right? Uh, yeah, but I took a heart, so I took a, a quarter off. Okay. Um, for an internship. Okay. So I took uh, a quarter off, and then they have like specific classes at Cal Poly for you to take mm -hmm. for like enology. You uh -huh. know, like they want you to do like the whole cycle of like harvesting and okay. whatever. So I actually finished in the fall, uh, and then as I finished, I went to Australia. Okay. So that was January to. Right. April, May, yeah, yeah, May, yeah. something like that. Um, and so before I'd gone, I was still finishing up school and I was like, what the hell am I going to do? You know? Um, and I like knew that I wanted to work in the luxury sector. I knew I wanted to work with, you know, the Saxons at the time or mm -hmm. the Laventures. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the time Donnie was just the only guy working at Saxon with, uh, Mark and, yeah. and, uh, there wasn't a lot of opportunities until, um, I was getting ready to go to school one day and my best friends, Scotty and Natalie Saunders called me and they were like, Hey, we're doing, uh, a reserve proprietor wine for our brand at Hearst Ranch Winery. We're doing a luxury, uh, Chardonnay and a luxury Cabernet mm -hmm. and Guillaume is making the wine. And so, um, I was actually getting ready to go to school and they're like, come help us sort this Cabernet. And so I was like, what a great opportunity. And I just went in and, you know, worked the day with them and busted my butt and with no expectation other than just, you know, having an introduction, being able to be there. I think that, that I sort of reflect on how cool it was just to like pull up. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, Guillaume came up to me and was like, dude, you know, I'm sharing an intern with somebody right now. And next year, I think I'm going to have to take a step and hire somebody full time. And uh, you know, I'd really like to work with you because I saw your work ethic today. So we exchanged numbers and then I went off to Australia. Okay. Okay. So that's how that whole thing. Happened. Oh, okay. So, okay, cool. So you put the time together. So, yeah. <clears throat> all right. So you weren't, fortunately, I know a lot of people when they go down, when, whenever they, they do an internship and like it's coming towards the end, they, then they're scrambling to find the next one. So you at least had planted some seeds. Yeah. And, and, and for me, I think that like uh, that opportunity was the opportunity or the catalyst for me to 
lead me on my path. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even more so that singular day, you know, um, happens. Yeah, like who would have thought? So if I'm hearing correctly, it was like you went down one day to help him sort Cabernet and met Guillaume. He's like, I like your work ethic. Here's my number. Here's the digits. I would have given him my social, dude. I, I would have given him a, I would have given him, a, you know, if I had $5, I would have given it to him. Um, but I had no scratch, you know. Yeah. Um, um, so tell people, Guillaume is close to Lee. Tell people about why you wanted to, it was, you know, yeah, so Guillaume, work with him. Guillaume, kind of like the same thing. Uh, Guillaume had uh, been an intern for Stefan. At La Venture. And... For ten, the year I worked with him mm-hmm. would have been his eleventh year working there. So he was ten years in, and Guillaume was an integral part in making elevating La Ventura. And I think those two, Stefan and Guillaume, paired together yeah. with their work ethic and drive, um, really made La Ventura what it is today. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, so. That was that was the year that Guillaume was officially stepping away full time, gotcha. and uh, Close Line actually started at La Ventura mm-hmm. with a sixteen wheeler trailer and a cooler trailer, and that's where Guillaume kept his wines for the longest period of time, uh, bootstrapping it. Yeah. You know, yeah, supersonic man. Yeah. So um, you come back, you work with him. Um, what was his program about, and, and what was some of your key takeaways? Yeah, so a hundred percent barrel fermentation. Um, so I think we did. I don't remember exactly how many tons, but there was like over a hundred and thirty lots or something like that in mm. punching. So I got a good idea of you know really grinding. Really, it was just him and I. So I he he gave me the opportunity to learn his work ethic. And I think of anything mm-hmm. else and anything that's applicable to anybody that I've worked for, it's that work ethic. Uh, everybody has a little bit of a different mentality in terms of how they treat the grapes. Um, and it's, I don't think any particular way is right or wrong. Um, but I think any, if I learned anything, it was how hard he works. Uh, and the fact that like nothing was really given to him either. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had to scrape for it. So, um, yeah, so barrel fermentations, uh, they were mother, dude. They're a lot of work. Um, <laughs> and uh, detail oriented, um, as as much detail as you could expect from any other chateau that I've had the experience to encounter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that those are the two two takeaways from that experience. Actually, you're back home. You're doing this, and then what was your next? <clears throat> what was your next internship? Yeah, so came uh, came back, worked with Guy for a year, um, and there was an intern that I worked at uh, La Ventura the year previously, uh, and Guillaume was going to bring him on. And so, like, Guillaume didn't just want to, like, give me, cut me dry. Right. Uh, and so, after harvest, going into February, he, came, he reached out to me and was like, hey, I reached out to my brother, and... They have an opportunity for you to work this summer at Petrus with my brother, and then afterwards you can take a little bit of a hiatus and then go down to Chateauneuf for harvest. Um, and so I was like, 
Yeah, cut me dry. I like it. I'm down. To, I'm <laughs> down for that. Uh, and I had no idea at the time. Even uh, I mean, even in December, I didn't even know that Guillaume's brother worked at Petrus. Um, Believe it or not, there's people. Just, I mean, I mean, if you you know this. There's levels. I love where we're going, but please, I mean Petrus or Petrus, which is incorrect, but I say it often. <laughs> um, Please tell people about Chateau Petrus. It's it's prominence. It's it's yeah. It's a, I mean, uh, I mean you gotta. You, it's, a, it's not even flat. Like, this is educational. I mean, like uh, I mean, uh, Christian Moex's uh, fam. Uh, now it's not really Christian, but Moex family yes. uh, actually traded it for a painting. So. Uh, Christian's father was big into painting and they had traded the estate. Uh, I don't remember exactly when. Um, but that's how they acqu- the family acquired the land. Uh, and then... I've then, never heard that story. A painting? Did, yeah. What was this? The fucking uh, Mona no Lisa? Clue. I have no clue. But uh, back <laughs> then, you know, back then they couldn't give the wine away. Yeah. Yeah, back then uh, they really struggled and they had no really real good selling points. Uh... And then I believe it was served at a royal wedding to some degree, uh, and that's where it gained a lot of prominence. So Christian, but Christian did help elevate it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was can, an integral part of yeah, it like for a long. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so people just he's dropped. So Petrus is, it's a one hundred percent Merlot from Pomerol. Yeah. Um, Blue clay. Yeah, blue. Tell you can tell but but it's it's now, it's one of the most highly sought after wines in the world. It's it's. It's, it's it's insane. Yeah, Flectors. new release are fifty five hundred bucks a piece. Yeah, uh, and a bottle, not yeah, a case. Yeah, yeah, that's fifty five hundred <laughs> a bottle. Um, yeah, and then some of you may not have heard of Dominus. That's Christian uh, Moy's property here, and he's got a bunch of stuff in Napa Valley going on. Yeah, and I believe he has some chateau. Obviously, he's kind of doing well. Yeah, in this thing, um, they have Lafleur as well. Yeah, yeah, which is him. Um. But yeah, no. So when you when you have the ability to fetch that kind of money for a bottle of wine, uh, people really are meticulous in the vineyard and how they approach the cultivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and for me, I think that when I initially got the opportunity um, to work there, I was moderately bummed that I didn't get to work in the cellar. But their harvest is like six days, less than six days normally. Wow. Uh, so it's very fast, very short, sweet. Uh, and I think I learned more working in the cultivation side and seeing how they treat the grapes and seeing how they manage the vines over a summer and, and not just any summer It was the summer of 2016, which is one of the most successful summers oh I've ever had. Oh my God. Uh, <clears throat> and so to see the vines really strive, uh, I think may have been more influential and I look back now and I'm kind of look at it as a blessing. Uh-huh. So, um, and yeah, so, that's insane. Um, so you did that, like I said. So you didn't actually get work the harvest. So then you went down to Shadow Nuff. Yes. Okay. So where'd you end up in Shadow Nuff? Uh, for um, the Barros Domaine La Baroche. <laughs> yeah, very fun experience. Oh my God! I actually who brought me Domaine La Oh, uh, Travis. Shout out to Travis. Yeah, Travis. Kobayashi. Yeah. Uh, Travis Allen brought. Uh, Domain Le Broche Pure. Yeah. It was sublime. That's definitely probably oh. one of my top five wines a year already. And it was, I mean, it was just insane. 
insane. Dude. Yeah. 120 year old Grenache. Yeah. So it's a perfect compliment again uh, to working with old vine stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, and have it being applicable to what we have and do. Here. And you worked in the 2016 vintage, which, which was just sick across yeah. all France. Yeah, yeah. I got a couple Benjamins. Um, I think they got one. Petrus got a couple, two or three. Mm -hmm. um, 99 plus whatever mm -hmm. uh, but but in terms of like what the wine was yes. uh, they were saying uh, the pure was anywhere between 15 20 percent more phenolic than they'd ever seen it before uh, and uh, everything else was just dialed so uh, mother nature definitely blessed all of France that year what does phenolic mean for a uh, not winemaking guy like myself uh, it's... I, I'll, throw, I'll throw it around and make people think I know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but I don't really know what it, what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a concentration of color. Okay. More or less. Yeah. Uh, layman's terms. Yeah, just a concentration of color. Oh, shit is black. Yeah, it's black. Yeah, okay. 20, but 20% 20 more black than it's ever been before. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, so, yeah. Um, and then you finish up there... What do you do? Do you take the uh, Euro pass and just kind of hang out in France? Nah. Go to Michelin star restaurants or what, what, what was you uh, do? When, 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 you, when you're done in, at the uh, La Broche? When I was done, so when I was done, um, my best friend Scotty, who actually hooked it up with uh, Guillaume, came to visit me and okay. uh, we did the tour of Bordeaux okay. and uh, we went to the hospice and Burgundy for a weekend and then I was like, oh. Oh my God! So you toured Bordeaux. Yeah. Now, now having worked at Petrus, did that like open some doors? Like, did, where'd you go? Did you go like Latour? Did you, did you... No, uh, yeah. we went to uh, well, we went to Petrus. Okay. Which was very fun, uh, and it's a pretty funny story because I went to go pick up Scotty in Paris, and uh, I was like, dude, I'm gonna not know anybody. I'm just gonna have you know a nice night to myself, uh, and stay near the Champs Elysees. And little did I know, I was on my way there, and uh, um, the director of viticulture at Petrus's daughter was there with her boyfriend. And so I was like, hey, let's get dinner. And so uh, dinner turned into an extended evening, and I remember having to be at the airport at like 5.30 and still being out at 3. So... Uh, um, that made that evening a bit of a whirlwind, and then that day we had an appointment to go visit at Petrus. Okay. And so uh, we're a little bit uh, short-winded. When you when you go to Petrus, like what is like? Do they have this grand tasting room? Do you do you taste in the cellar? They, I mean, are they letting you taste fifty-five hundred dollar bottle of wine? Wine? Uh, <laughs> or they like, or like this is our paintings and this is our barrels and what, what what's that it's, tasting room it's like? It's. I mean, yeah. I mean, like. We drank a bottle with them that night, but uh, it was a bit funny because Scotty came with like his three-piece suit, and then I came like with my jacket and vest, <laughs> and then uh, Francois, a French family guy, came, and he was in hoodies and vans. So like, if we could have been the Three Stooges, we were them for the evening. Um, but yeah, no, it was uh, cool because like, we didn't get to spend much time in the cellar. Okay. Uh, and uh, do a little tour. I mean, it's nothing out of the ordinary that you would expect. Okay. But, uh, um, and, yeah, then, just, and what were some of your favorite spots uh, besides that that you hit while you went uh, I think Margot is always going to be a top one um, uh, yeah it's you went to Chateau Margot? alright um, we went to a few other places but I think that that's kind of the highlight so um, and then you went to Hospice de Bone I mean like you're 
when you say luxury, you're balling out, man. You you are you are on a budget, you, you, I, but still on a budget. Yeah, I love that. Like, yeah. uh, wine ball on a budget. We should mm -hmm. have a TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Alex Bear. No, I mean, wine I was still man. I was still an intern salary at the time. Of course. So like, that was my excuse to get to try and access these wines because you know, like, I still to afford um, Chateau Margaux or any of these you know crazy wines is so supersedes what I can afford. It's, uh, yeah. it's a bit crazy. So. Um. And then, what did you taste at hospice? Cause I mean, I, I've never been to Bur I, I've, I've never been to Burgundy. I've never been to the Rhone. I've never been to Bordeaux. Uh, I've been to Paris. But look. we kept it pretty casual. Okay. Um, we went to. They do like a tasting mm -hmm. of where you can taste all of the auction lots. Yep. Um, so that was probably the highlight of that experience. And then everything else. I Francois worked at a couple places there, so we just snuck in and uh, they, he found the key, you know, and we stole the thief off the wall and found our way in the cave somehow. Nice. So. That's what I'm talking about. This is what Americans do. They go over, we go overseas and we smuggle back cuttings. And, and <laughs> I would, yeah, yeah, I yeah. wish I could. Yeah. You want, you want the Reyes cuttings. You yeah. Want the Reyes cutting Which is right next to a uh, pier actually. So yes. Those, so those, those two are just adjacent to one another. Yeah. That and, and the pure is affordable ish. Yeah, to some degree. I think for wine quality price ratio, it hits pretty high up there. Oh no, for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think Ras is like five fifty a bottle wholesale or something, <coughs> and you get three bottles of it. I've you... never, I've never, <laughs> never had Ras. Nah. One I day, had, one day. Hopefully. I had it, and I shouldn't have had it because it was like I'd been in wine for like two weeks. Oh yeah, and you're yeah. like, what is this? Yeah, I mean, I I had that. And uh, 95 cent Equinon Grenache. Like, it was some sick private tasting, some investment banker from Goldman, Acker. I went with John Capon. What a legend. Kapoor, and fucking, we had Rias. And, what a uh, legend. Uh, I think it was Aces, Queen of Spades. Whatever. I can't remember that, what that one was. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, but now, oh, I've had. Fonsel, I had I've had the Cote de Rome recently. I had the Cote de Rome last year from Ross. It's sick. Yeah. Yeah. But I a bucket list wine for me. Yeah. Can't drink them all because then I'll be spoiled forever. Yeah. You know? No. If I win the lottery, we'll meet you so, and Jay Mary have some Ryan. Oh yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so you come back. So that was it. You come back home. Yeah, I come back home to the Central Coast. Come back home and wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do. Because like. You know, internship, uh, internship in uh, Chateauneuf, and then the beginning of the year, it's kind of tough. Mm -hmm. uh, most time, wineries, you know, suss out people as interns, as potential, you know, um, long-term candidates for employment. So it's a bit tough. I didn't know what I was going to do, and somebody was looking for some help doing, like, filtrations and stuff like that. Uh, and so I hopped on that company for, like, eight months. Um, so like that's the finding and filtering process about filtration. Yeah, yeah. I cruise around to different wineries, typically smaller wineries because uh, they can't typically don't afford. Or it's difficult to have in budget a hundred and fifty thousand, two hundred thousand dollar cost flow. Okay. Um, so did did that for about eight months, and then um, I just I need to find a way to get back into the wine scene, and I applied to work at Realm. Um, and uh, got a position there 
and then so realm realm is um cabernet sauvignon high end and they just they do what they do to Blanc. what's their way but yeah out of Delio, yeah. yeah um so they're sourcing a lot of Beckstoffer stuff um crane uh sheesh crane. Uh, i didn't crane, even know man just Topolon. just thought this was a dope t-shirt uh yeah i gotta get one um so yeah, they're sourcing some crazy stuff and, you know, really pushing the mark on a new fresh brand out of Napa. Um, who, who's, who, who, who is, who's the, who, who's buying that project? Uh, it's ran by Scott Becker and Benoit Tiquette. Okay, Benoit Tiquette. Yeah, so Benoit's the winemaker, um, Scott's the brains and analyst behind the whole thing. He works for Harlan for a long period of time. Um, and that's kind of how he got his... Um, Jeanne. Uh, but yeah, so at that time I was still doing that and then a job offer at Sinequinon popped up in 2017. And so I applied for that and uh, I was doing filtration in San, in San Luis and uh, I applied at like 6 o'clock in the morning and I was like, I would never, I, like I remember in 2015 that job popping up and my friend was like, you should apply. And I was like, dude, I have no chance at making that happen. Uh, and then in 2017, I was like, wow, like maybe, like I could have a shot. So I applied, uh, I already had committed myself to Realm, but uh, I mean, you gotta roll the dice, I think, if, if, if the cards are right. And yeah. uh, so I applied early in the morning, one morning, and then was doing my filtration, and sure enough, like my boss came and visited me, which was a bit strange, and we had a conversation, and it was like, you never guess who called me today. Elaine. Manfred. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was just straight up with him, I was like, hey, you know, like, you know that I've been looking at going to Realm, um, they had a job opportunity pop up, and he was like, well, Manfred and Elaine and the whole family are going to come up next week to look at some of our products, and so I was like, well, that's cool, and uh, the following week after that, uh, Wait, they, so they contacted me and were like, hey, come down for an interview. So I, they, they didn't call per se because you would apply. I thought they were calling and do like a reference check. They just called because they want to check out what their program. Yeah, their yeah, program. yeah. So, so they came. It's insane, and, man. So, um, Dude, this is not, I mean, it's kind of happenstance, but it's crazy happenstance. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and so went down, cruised down, and... Um, had a two-hour interview and sat next to the man, which is like, dude, it's like sitting next to Jesus, you know? Like, uh, you stutter a couple times and you smile and you shake your head. Uh, and uh, I don't know, we just vibed and had a great time. Um, got in the car, called my mom, and I was like, dude, I think I'm moving to Ventura. And uh, she was like, good for you, dude. Like, <laughs> awesome, I'm proud of you. Uh, and uh, started cruising back, and then two weeks go by, didn't hear anything. Three weeks go by, four weeks go by, and that it was getting close to when I had to go to Napa. So I was like, "Hey, you guys, like, I get it. Like, I might not be the right candidate, but I just need to know." And they're like, "Yeah, we went on and uh, went with somebody else." And so I was like, "Cool, yeah. you know, like I always wanted to do a harvest in Napa. Yeah, uh, keep your head held high. You know, I was, you know." stoked to even be considered to have the opportunity um and i headed up north and that's how that whole thing happened. what is like a because like you know go on job interviews and like tell us about a situation where <clears throat> things weren't going well and you had to pivot like what what kind of questions do you 
they ask you like oh dude i don't even remember <laughs> i have no clue i have i mean i manfred's favorite thing is motorcycle racing that happens to be mine okay so, so like there's that bonding factor of course it. yeah um but uh um I think everybody else was sick and tired of listening to talk, talk about MotoGP. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't, <laughs> couldn't even tell you where to start. Yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't applied for a job in a while now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, but no, so yeah. So you went up to Napa. So I went up to Napa, um, and we we're about, we we're a good chunk in a harvest, and the fires hit. We had a heat wave just. What, this is uh, 18? 17. 17, okay. Yeah, 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we... There was a huge heat spell, and people, some people were picking in, re, in relation to that heat, and other people were waiting to let the vines recover and then pick. And so in between that lull was when the fires hit. So the people who were waiting were the ones that got shafted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was Rome waiting? To some degree, yeah. yeah but they still made they still made a considerable considerable amount of wine. Um, the real detriment was the fact that it was on the Silverado Trail. The wine that they did have and that harvested, uh, <laughs> Scott and Benoit and my friend Alberto were the guys chugging there. Uh, and so like Scott was doing punch downs and pump overs just to save the harvest because yeah. at that point at that point they had barricaded themselves in and Silverado Trail was completely closed um, and I was like dude I gotta go in there like you know for the love mm-hmm. um, and so one morning I texted I texted Benoit and I was like yo come on um, and he was like go get some food at Rayleigh's and uh, meet us at the roadblock. And so I had like all of my clothes. I packed up all my clothes in case the house burnt down while we were away. Yeah. Uh, in my car, I had my backpack with with a couple of days of clothes, and then me and uh, uh, another intern had two bags of groceries. And they kitty cornered around a parcel in the vineyard around the roadblock, and then we just chilled there for a couple of days mm. just to make sure that the wines that were already harvested uh, weren't spoiled. It's pretty fun. That's a it wild was, was, story, dude. It was a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I dig it. I dig but it. but it gave me an opportunity to really understand Scott and Benoit and their commitment to right. that company right. and uh, how they are still risking it every moment. Uh, and if you know, there's a couple of bad years. You know, uh, they have no 401k. Uh, their whole thing. Welcome you know? to my life. Yeah, yeah. So it's so um, crazy that kind of like that. The maverick spirit of like some some winemakers, man, just like just just risking it all, yeah. man, just just pushing your chips and going all in. Yeah, it's scary, but uh, I think it's essential at some point. And so we had that bit of a crazy year, and uh, we had a great bonding experience, and um, and so uh, I was like, mm, maybe this isn't uh, Napa's a bit extreme for us. So I came back home. Uh, what What do you mean by extreme? Uh, just like the cost of living, everything. Yeah. Uh, I didn't buy a single bottle of wine while I was there, just with how expensive it was. Isn't that? Isn't done that suck, man? Like, I mean, like, I, I, mean I mean, on one level, I mean, I love that sense of affluence. I yeah, mean, no, I, 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 I was living way below my uh, uh, the standard of living there. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love the area and everything it has to offer. Um, but it just wasn't. It wasn't for me. Got it. 
Got it. Um, so you come back home 2018-ish, 2019? Yeah, the beginning of 2018. All right. And uh, did you reapply to Sanfana or did they give you a call? What happened? No, so uh, I ended up like picking up a tasting room job for a little bit. Okay. Where'd you, where's this? At Hearst. Okay. Yeah, so wow. did that and um, trying to make ends meet. And, yep. And then, and then circumstantially that, that Sinequinon job had popped up again and I just wrote them a letter just kind of highlighting my experiences from the previous year. Uh-huh. And, uh, um. I'm listening. I just got an idea for the show title. I was listening. Like, just you gotta write it down. Capture it or I'll lose Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So, so I just did that and they said, hey, come back down, you know. We had another interview. August was there, Devin and. Okay. Um, I, I I mean I still can't believe that they would ever call me, you know, um, and so yeah, I applied again, and sure enough, uh, in 2018, packing bags, moved to Oxnard. Oxnard. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> um, now, Sinequanon means second to none, or something. Like that. There's if, no other. If there's this, then there's nothing. Okay. Without this, there is nothing. Okay. I believe. Uh, we'll have to look it up. Yeah, you can fact check me. I don't know. I tell people all the time. Uh, what is it like to work at a place that that's their motto? Hmm. What is? Uh. Like, cause you're talking, you're you're luxury. You're talking attention to detail. I really should work. And then, but to be like, no, no, I don't like it. It's basically saying like. We got the greatest wine in the world. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think they look at it like that. No, I think they, they, I don't they think have a humble approach. Right, right. Like, but like, you know, but I got to go to I think, th so like the first couple months we were there, uh, we were spent in the vineyard and then in okay. and out of the cellar. Um, now they have a vineyard, they have a vineyard in Oakview, Ohio area. Yeah, I know they yeah, have yeah. Some Cumulus. Cumulus, okay. Cumulus is a, a, their state vineyard. Okay. Uh, it's, it's an incredible piece of property. Um, and uh, it was great because uh, while some of the trellising styles are different, the way that they cultivate the wine, the grapes are different, but a lot of the things that I had learned and kind of worked with mm -hmm. at Petrus was, mm -hmm. were very applicable to the way that they worked with grapes, uh, at least with the vines. So sure. I had a little bit of a competitive advantage, I would say, in terms of you know a learning curve. Mm -hmm. Uh, I caught on pretty quick, um, but yeah, it, you know, 60 hour work weeks and committed to cultivating grapes and uh, it's kind of the beginning of how we started a relationship together, mm -hmm. um, which is great for me because I think that that's the hardest part and that's, and for me it's, you know, I take pride in cultivating grapes and uh, vines and I think that that's where really where the signatures laid upon and the difference is really made. So now was this a, a seasonal harvest position or what type of position? Did yeah, you... so it was a seasonal <laughs> thing that was intended to be a long-term thing, kind okay. of like a vetting experience. Okay. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so har we went through harvest and. Um, they kind of gave me the key and were like, here, these are protocols for how we like to manage and mitigate our fermentations. Utilize your environment to be a decision maker and 
live within this protocol. So when people arrive in the morning, fermentations are still uh, uh, safe or in their right realm, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I did that. And then at the time, my dad was sending me texts of like how... Our, the Solano. Our, yeah, that Solano was. Yeah. And so I was looking at these numbers and I was like, dude, these numbers in a couple weeks are going to be perfect. Um, and uh, um, then I was like, how am I, if, if I could make wine, how would I make some wine here in Paso while still living in Ventura? And so, so I knew we'd get a couple of days off a week, but everything was day by day. Mm -hmm. uh, and when the opportunity actually came <coughs> to harvest the grapes, I had Scotty and Natalie help me out. And they crushed the grapes for us. But then, like, I would know that I would have a day off. And so I would just, like, pack my bag, have my bag packed. Mm -hmm. So that if I left work, I could just leave work in the middle of the night, show up the next day here in Paso, uh, work, on, work on the wine for the one or two days that I have, and then have my bags packed, and then go back down and work the night shift back at Sedanquinon. I was... So that's how All Bear started. But I, that, I was, when you said something before, like they're handing the keys and make sure the person comes in the morning. So there's someone there watching the barrels and fermentations. To, to uh, yeah, through, not through the entire evening, um, because you, you could kind of interpret uh, the fermentation vigor and get a good idea of if you were in a safe spot or not. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, like one of the nights I went up to Paso, we left around the winery around 3.30, so I got to pass around 5, and then worked the next day. Is that common? I mean, I was, I had someone on, I can't remember, he was saying he was in France, and they were like, he's like, he's telling us when, like, they had picked the grapes, and like, they didn't even bother to take about the bins, they like, yeah, we'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> like, so is it common, is it common to like, have like a, like a, like a night watchman was just just make just checking and checking. Like I it. hadn't experienced it okay. previously. No, I just I just want to show. Um, but uh, I think that shows. You know, it shows their commitment yeah. to crafting yeah. the wines that you know they've gained a reputation for. So, and I think that that they've worked hard for that. And you know, if there's anybody who works harder, it's them. Mm -hmm. Not you know, mm -hmm. like Elaine and Manfred are still some of the hardest working individuals I've ever met. So. Um, Huh. I'm not surprised that they've garnered the success that they have. What vintage? What did you? Was that? Eighteen. Eighteen. I think I've had that. I've had. I've had those wines. So thanks. I think we. No, we had one with uh, Elizabeth. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. The first time we met. Yeah, but, you know, but I don't. I don't necessarily remember that one as much because like there was no reason to pull that shit out at like twelve thirty. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> uh, what did uh, we do? What did we? What was that? That was. That was. That was. Uh, my first time. Yeah, Castle. Yes. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I think I've had it since then. Amazing. Yeah. All right, so you're running back and forth, man. You're like you're like on Nodos and Red Bulls, going back and forth between uh, Ojai and Paso. Yeah, uh, and then the decision finally came up at the end of the year, where it was like I've created a little bit of wine and uh, have an opportunity to kind of like start something fresh. Um, and. Uh, I mean, for them, like Manfred's going to be the winemaker, you yeah. know, like there's no opportunity to right. really work into that step. Right. Um, and that's something that I, you know, I'm striving to become. So it was a bit scary, but left. 
Um, I had a friend here who was looking for an assistant somewhere and um, uh, I left with a job opportunity back up here and an opportunity to make some wine, so that's how that started. Okay, so... That's how we started All Bear. Okay, so let's talk about All Bear. Let's talk about let's talk about the vineyard. Let's talk about it. Tell me, tell me, tell yeah. me about All Bear, man. What's what is uh, the philosophy? What what do we got going on here with these beautiful bottles and wax capsule capsules? And, <laughs> yeah, right. And and graffiti absurdity. <laughs> um, yeah. So the the brand is called All Bear because uh, it's essentially all of the bears. And I wouldn't be in this position to be able to make wine. Uh, and to travel the world if it wasn't for the support of my family. So I have to, so for me, it's more of an homage to, and a thank you to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how we kind of got the name. Um, and uh, the wines are named in French every year, like I was saying earlier. So it's yeah. kind of a year by year kind of basis. Uh, in 2019, we made a Sangio and a Grenache. Uh, in 2020, this was our first release of a Vistraw. And so those are kind of like... The, 2019, that was first vintage. That's the one where you were at SQN and decided... 18. 18, I was 18. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but, that, this was, um, but the first vintage was 2019, correct? We released the 18. What was, was the 18? very small. The wood box. Did I send you a wood box? Yeah, you sent me a wood box, but that, that was, was 18? 19? No, that might have been 19. I think it was 19. Yeah. What'd you make in 18? The Petit Syrah. Okay, yeah, I've never had your Petit Syrah. Yeah, no. you library any of these? We have some, but yeah, there's not very many left. In well, same about me and Jay Manga and Jay Dome. Jay, yeah, 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 I got to yeah, taste yeah. Okay, so yeah. tell me about this Petit Syrah. I love Petit Syrah. So it's, it's also from Solana, maybe? Yeah, so that's from Solana. Um, and Solana's where? And It's on the east side, actually. Oh, okay. Um, and I thought that, like, the mentality of doing the Sangio out there is uh, it's hard to compete with what these guys have the reputation for on the west side and with Grenache and Syrah and so I wanted to be something that's a little bit standoffish and unsuspecting and then also nobody on the east side really is producing anything that's profound in my opinion huh. uh, and so to kind of gain recognition for that side of the freeway as well I think it's important uh, so that's kind of our mentality with that and so we have a Sanjo but we have a Grenache and a Syrah and those grapes are sourced from all over the central coast. Okay. But a state you have Sangio is that and, and Petite on it on the on the estate. Yeah, we have twenty two acres of Petite, uh one point four acres of Sangio, uh, and then uh I think there's sixty acres of Bordelais varieties, Petit Bordeaux, uh Malbec, Cabernet Sauvignon and Sauvignon Blanc. I want to know about the Petit Syrah, so tell me about it. What did it come in at? What was, what was, the, what was the name of that wine? Uh, so the name of that wine was Un Petit Debut. Okay. So that was a small start. Okay. Um, and we only made uh, 25 cases of it. Uh, my dad and I like handcrafted these 80 wood boxes um, that he designed, and then I spray-painted them after. Uh, and that's kind of, we sold it in three pack and that was kind of like our start and Kickstarter for All Bear. Uh, what, is, what, what was the release price? The same. It was a 75. Okay. Um, but they came in three packs, so 225. Okay. Uh, and we've tried, we've, we've made it every year since, but I just think it hasn't made the cut. Um. So where's the juice at, man? Sells it off? Yeah, it just didn't hit our standard <laughs> and I'd rather only produce stuff that I'm really excited about. 
uh, make less um, than overproduce and produce something that you know doesn't tickle my fancy. Um, but we do have so in 2020 we started on a new project um, where we planted a new estate um, over on the west side in the Adelaide district uh, uh, with some close family friends, the Stein family. Um, they kind of had a piece of land and they were looking to plant and they kind of just said uh, anything you want uh, just you go for it and so I thought it was a great opportunity to learn and have the experience of starting something from scratch and uh, anything the, maybe the one of the best things that I learned over the entire experience of my career so far is there's some experiences that just can't be purchased mm -hmm. uh, and whether that comes in a good light or a bad light on um, something that I hold dear to my heart. So when it came to this property, I was like, dude, we could pay somebody to like go grade it and throw in the irrigation and, mm -hmm. you know, throw the vines in the ground. And But the experience of enduring putting the stakes in the ground and understanding how to grade it and um, digging the trenches for the irrigation, like there's so many things that could have been learned in that experience that I kind of, bullishly decided to do it independently with just a few other people um, so we put plants in the ground in 2021 and this is going to be our first year that we pull a crop from it yeah and what's that what's that planted to uh roan varieties it's a it's a 1.94 acres as of right now um we're expanding it to another half an acre this year uh and uh it's essentially just under 50% Syrah, just under 50% Syrah with a little bit of Graciano. Okay, so it's Syrah Graciano right now. Yeah, and and, and our two new parcels are going to be two, two other clones of Syrah and Grenache. So it's going to be Grenache and Syrah focused, and then next year they have one more acre plantable uh, in a different type, soil type. So the soil type that's currently being cultivated is sesame, um, which also has some granite. So essentially, there was two hillsides that we had to shave down to make it plantable. And it, when we shaved it down, that came into like a coarse sand. Um, and so we pushed all of that, that topsoil into the center uh, and planted all of the Grenache on that sand. And then on either hillside, it's very, very, very thin topsoil that's all granite. So essentially we'll have like a little bit more lighter elegant style wine off of that property is what I've been suspecting will happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the back property is all Lenny Colado. So, oh, okay. So, so more is... typical of okay. Paso. Yeah. West side. <clears throat> and what's the name of that vineyard? Is that, is that like Stein mm, Bear vineyard? Bear yeah, we haven't, we have a couple ideas. We haven't, we right. haven't, we haven't put anything to stone yet. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm psyching out of my mind over it, dude. Uh, so let's back up. Let's back up. Okay, so you did three pack of Tizara, and, yeah. and that was 2017. 2018, you did. Uh, 2018, you did three pack. 2019 was uh, two Grenache and one Sangio, correct? I think that's what you sent me. Yeah, so we didn't make a Syrah in 19. Okay. Um, when you're crafting those wines, like, I love California Sangiovese. I think it's, I, I like it better than, I, I like ripe fruit, so 
Italy can be tough for me. I respect everything they do, and I, I'm like, wow, I get the leather. I get, I get all that. Yeah. But just like vibing on that dark, like Morello cherry, kind of crazy dark fruits you can get here. Um, and you're German, so why why Saint Chapelier? At least just because it was. Unique. Well, I think it's yeah. So it's like I think out of all of the parcels on the on our property, I think that one has the best opportunity to achieve ripeness. Um, and so also with that, it's like, I never worked with San Gio basically professionally. I'm never, I mean, Manfred's not making a San Gio. Um, yeah. they're not, it's, it's just an unsuspecting grape variety here. And so the first couple of years I, I've been tending after the land for a long period of time, but I never actually had the opportunity to really make it. And so when I started to make it, I came into it with the same mentality that I hold with the Rhones to some degree. Uh, and, and I find that the wines still maintain a bit of freshness, but because the parcel is so small, we ended up cutting it into two, two different parts, two, two different, uh, harvest dates. Mm. And so one is a little bit fresher. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other one carries more opulence and a little bit less acidity, a little bit more alcohol. So like we, we so I would have blending, a blending component okay. to how I would make the wine. Okay. Um, as the years have progressed, I'm finding that I like the wine to be maybe a little bit more fresher, mm -hmm. carry a little bit more acidity, a little mm -hmm. bit less alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so consistently, we're, I think the 2019 or the 2020 was 15.3. Our next release is going to be somewhere uh, like 14.7-ish. And the stuff that we made for 2022, I think is going to be in the lower range of the 14s. Which still, for me, will give great ripe fruit from California, though. Totally, you know yeah. I mean? Yeah, uh, but and, and I like the idea of the freshness because like you know more food friendly. Um, although I just you know this anyway. Um, <laughs> we're talking about too much. so the Grenache, the Grenache. You said you source from different sources on Central Coast, right? For, for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Grenache comes primarily from Calesta right now. Okay. Oh. Um, so uh, farmed by Coastal Vineyard Care. These guys are like some of the best farmers on the Central Coast. Okay. They, they take care. They tend to James Berry. Uh, they okay. tend to uh, Stefan's place. Okay. Um, these guys know how to farm. Right. Um, Kevin and Lucas, legendary legend, legendary farmers in our area. Um, and when it came to sourcing Grenache, I was like, they created a new parcel, which is kind of like Coroti. You know how Coroti is uh, in a chalice. It's, it's planted to a chalice. Yes. So it's, there's not like a VSP. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's like really densely planted. Mm -hmm. um, essentially, the Grenache, they have a parcel at Calesa that's tied to a chalice, but instead of being three by three, it's seven by three, so that they could still get a tractor through. Okay. But the detriment to having Grenache so closely interplanted in a kind of like a uh, head-trained fashion like that is that there's not a lot of space for uh, cluster development. So typically you cut anywhere between six, 50 and 60% of mm. the fruit off of the vine mm. um, with this particular parcel. Uh, but what that allows is for the fruit to get super ripe. Um, and I think that that's a benefit. Grenache needs to you know, portray some sort of ripeness in order to be exciting. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was our primary source for Grenache. And also, if you look at Chateauneuf and Coroti, um, in in uh, north to south, it's I'm spacing. 
um, latitude. Okay. So if you look at their latitude, yep. they're 130 kilometers different. Uh, if you apply that in a longitudinal standard uh, from the west side to the east side, mm -hmm. it's kind of like not as extreme, not as far, but still it's, a, I was thinking about like, where's the warmest site cultivated mm -hmm. by the best people okay. uh, in Paso. So these exposures, this north facing exposure that we get from there and this western facing exposure, uh, I think offer, offer a great complement and also a ton of heat. Um, which I think Grenache likes, but not a lot of sun. And so that was our mentality with, with our Grenache. Uh, and then we're still sourcing from those two blocks. Uh, and then we picked up another parcel from Copia, who also uses Coastal as their farmer. Yeah. And the- Verinda. Yeah, Verinda, <coughs> shout out. Yep. And Anita. Um, yep. And they have a parcel that's also cultivated in that Ashala style. So two thirds of our Grenache is cultivated in this really low yielding. Oh, okay. Uh, head train style nice. vibe uh, and that's kind of the basis for what we have and then we throw in some Syrah uh, because typically the yields are so small I need to top a barrel with something okay okay and then um, has this gone out to your club members yet it's all gone man it's all gone yeah I think this is like it it wow um, yeah we accidentally oversold it a little bit uh, and uh so let's talk about this Syrah and Graciano. Man. Yeah. So 2020, so um, no issues with uh, the fires or, you know, around the state. No, I don't, I don't think we were I'm not going to some uh, degree. Uh, uh, also, 50% of this is from Edna Valley as well. Okay. Um, so that does... Where in Edna Valley? Is this, like, has this all been cloned? Like, what, what, do, we, what do we got going uh, on here? I, don't know. I think there's a stray in 383 and then also... Um, the Hawks Hill, which was sourced from Adelaide, is all oh, kit, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that, that east facing vertical cordon, not tied to anything. Mm. Uh, similar to is that the Bone Rock block okay. at Saxum, yeah. um, eastern facing exposure. Um, it's been an integral part of our Syrah since we started this. So, yeah, tell me about the uh philosophy, like you broke down the Grenache so well with the Syrah. She's mentioned east facing. Um, what, yeah. What 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 um, you know because you you've worked so many places in intern. Yeah. Um, it, it has to it only has to inform your wine making style. When in Syrah, when you think of the great Syrahs of the world, what what kind of informs like what what not that you know I know you want to produce a uniquely singular wine on your own, but you, what informs you like some what are some of the Syrahs that inform you that you like have had like okay if I can make a Syrah. How can I make this here mm -hmm. on the Central Coast? So I go into it with the mentality uh, of having a yin and a yang, sort of, sort of like the same mentality as right. a Sangio. Okay, right. So I think uh, Syrah has the best opportunity to like showcase its site very well. So coastal Syrah is extremely different than warm climate Syrah. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of the mentality <clears throat> as to why we 53% of this is from Edna. Because okay. the, the cool, yeah. yeah, exactly. The attributes that the wine produces are are different than what you're gonna get. Yeah, here I mean they're, they're so savory. The, some of that, some of that, those endas are just so very so, northern Rhone esque. Exactly. Savory. So, but if you get too coastal, it becomes too much of an influence exactly. and will bury all the other components. <laughs> okay. So I'm very cognitive of like how I'm sourcing or where I'm sourcing the Syrah from. Um, unfortunately, fortunately, shout. Uh, 
this vin the slide was purchased. Okay. Um, and so we had to move to another vineyard, uh, and we went further down south to Ballard okay. Canyon. Okay. So, Ballard. Oh, so, I love Ballard. It's hot down there. That's where Tinsley Canyon. You're in Tinsley. Uh, yeah, yeah, territory. yeah. So it's hot, but it's still influenced by the cool well, nature I mean, yeah. of of. of um, the central coast of California. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's not Santa Rita cold. Right. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the mentality behind the Syrah. We've had to dance around a little bit with uh, different sites. Uh, um, Blacker than I am. Which is not hard. Which is not hard to be. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, um, so yeah. So you had to dance around to get the type of vineyard sources to keep uh, your vision. Is what exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, and so we've still been doing that a little bit, uh, but I think everything that we do has great intention. And I think that that's maybe the biggest focus that we have as, cult as cultivars, mm -hmm. uh, is being very specific and intentional with our decision making and what sites really work and what, what you're really shooting for and your goal for the overall project and having small components that lead to a broader understanding of what you want to produce. Yeah. So you're a young guy. You, you mentioned it before. You have... The support of your family it's why the name of the wine what's it um what's like been the biggest challenge since you made the fateful decision yeah in terms of creating a wine brand yeah. so honestly big shout out to everybody who has ever supported us or taken a gamble and purchased our wines or met us at an event or gave us a like on instagram or a follow uh, because without those people, without you, I would never be here and have this opportunity to sit across from you uh, and uh, really share my passion with the world. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I take great pride in that. Um, the, it's the people that really motivate me. Mm -hmm. um, and just getting the word out is difficult. Uh, it's difficult for me to share my story, typically. Like six months ago, it would have been difficult for me to sit here across from you. Yeah. Um, just because I feel like it's... We live in a different time and age where everybody can have the opportunity to pass judgment, whether that's positive or negative, yeah, on anybody. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, in the last few months, I'm like, dude, I'm just giving up on what people think and just showcasing what I have to offer and the amount of work and effort that we put into our brand. Um, because I am the lone soldier in this thing, and uh, you know, I'm treading in my own, I'm like treading in my own footsteps to some degree, you know, I'm leading the path. Um, and so like selling the wine, I think was, or selling the wine, but sharing the story, I've been the most difficult aspects for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I feel like as I do more of that, um, people just understand better what we're shooting for in our targets. Nice. Nice. All right, man. So, um, it's great talking with you. Yeah. You too, we, we do a couple of things before we, uh, before we wrap up, just two more quick questions. Um, the first one is a game I play and. And, and it's funny because, anyway, it's like said, What's you get, you, FMK. FMK. That's what we're doing. FMK. Fuck, marry, kill. I'm gonna give you three grapes. <laughs> I might change it, but but I'm gonna give you three grapes. You get the fuck one. You marry one. That's like your daily drinker, and, and you kill one off. Okay, so for sure, more beds dead. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, this is what I rate. This is what I. But oh but no. I, no, no. I'm gonna see now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna oh no, it. dude. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. You ready? I myself. You did. Uh, Sangiovese. Grenache or Syrah. There you go. I mean, so, because those are all three things you fucking make. Oh, I'd probably kill Syrah. 
Uh, I would fuck Grenache because she's sexy. Always, she's always sexy. <laughs> she's sexy. You can... um, and elusive. But yeah. I'd marry. I'd marry the Sanjo. I love it, man. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. That's so much fun. One uh, couple more questions. So, uh, what's what's what are you most excited for the future, Alex? Uh, tomorrow. Oh man, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm this year. I've taken a big step in my health, and um, you know, lost a few more pounds, getting a little bit more cut because I feel like the only thing that's really keeping me from achieving my goals is myself. Yeah. And of course, Mother Nature. But the better condition I keep myself in the better odds I'll have to adapt to whatever Mother Nature gives Yeah, us. you look good. You look good, man. Thanks, man. And I remember you shared just your story when, you know, uh, when we were hanging out at Liz's, you know, um, blown away. So yeah. good, good for you, man. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I love that tomorrow. Just And then, okay, so bottle that started all for you. So, like, you've worked a lot of places or, or most of bottle. Like, was there a bottle coming up like your dad made the was it was your dad's pizza wine like oh this wine thing is like but what or was it like oh my god I had this wine and it just blew my mind and I know I was going to school for it but it's like was there ever a bottle that cemented it for you or was just super memorable for you at this point in your career yeah so I think uh, we're out to dinner with my mom for her birthday uh, out in San Luis and we ordered a 2007. Um, uh, Broken Stones, mm. Saxon. Mm -hmm. that, that was the hundred pointer. No, no, no. The James. That was James the Jamie Bigelow. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, James still. Bigelman. Yeah. So I mean, before I was even into wine, you know, I was like, <laughs> wow. Um, so I think for me, having icons like Justin and uh, Stefan really you know, leading the path in terms of what they've accomplished gave me a light and somebody to, you know, a North Star to chase. Nice. Uh, and if it wasn't for them, then I wouldn't even know what wine was really. Yeah, love it. All right, man. Alex, <clears throat> again, thank you so much for coming in. Tell people where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing at All Bear. Yeah, so uh, you can uh, join our mailing list at allbear.com or you can give me a link on... Uh, uh, Instagram at allbear, A-L-L-B-A-E-R. And so, yeah, we, we'll do our next release in October, and I'm pretty excited for the 21s. The wines are legit. I know I've got some people who hit me up, like, these are going to go. I'm like, get on the list. I said, it's going to be the next big thing. Thanks, man. Um, and all you listening out there, make sure you check the show notes. That's where I'll, I'll uh, put links to Alex's website, his Instagram. Uh, make sure you go on that mailing list. I'll, uh, you know, I'll tell you what wine we drank here. And until the next time, cheers to the Mavericks, the Philosophers, Deep Things, and all the wine drinkers. It's your boy MJ. Peace. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list.